Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Curry. Curry driving with wall back. Goes reverse with a left hand. It was so weak. This is Warriors Roundtable. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. David Lee, high post. Top of the key, backdoor. Pass deflected away. Barnes goes high in the air to pull it down. Feeds Bogut. Bogut with a dribble. Needs help. Still dribbling on Skola. Goes right by him. Goes baseline to the rack. Got foul. That's good. He tumbles down. Hits the shot. He's going to be on the line. That chance for a three-point play. Flea will throw in to Jared Jack. Jack to bring up the floor with Landry rushing Curry. Same five. That left the floor. Jack with the dribble. Shot clock at 15. Pass to Landry. He's open from the elbow. The jumper is good. Carl Landry designed play off the elbow. Gives Golden State a three-point lead. Curry on the way. It's going to be in and out. Rebound Skola. Kick out Dragic. Two seconds. Dragic to midcourt. Hand off. Goes to Telfair. It's up. It's no good. It wouldn't have counted either way. And the Warriors somehow get out of Phoenix with a win. Well, it was Halloween after all. And for a while, it looked like the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns were playing as if they were haunted. Uh, They combined for 36 turnovers. Nobody shot the ball all that well. But the Warriors found a way to come back from eight down in the fourth quarter to win 87-85. Hi, Tim Roy, and welcome to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Now, last night, a lot of things happened in this game. Andrew Bogut started for the Golden State Warriors. That's great news. He was effective in 18 minutes of play, eight points, six rebounds, and a block shot. But if you had told me that Steph Curry and David Lee combined for four for 30 from the field and the Warriors won... I probably would have doubted your sanity. But this Golden State team is trying to change its culture and trying to change its nature. And they did that in the fourth quarter. They scrapped for this win. It was ugly, but it's a win on the road. And so, therefore, it's an important win. It was a big day yesterday. Steph Curry signed the four-year contract extension. Andrew Bogut getting on the floor. I had a chance to talk to both guys after shoot-around to get their state of mind heading into the season. We'll have that conversation for you shortly. And also upcoming, a great look back at the 1992 Lithuanian Olympic team, the other dream team. It's a great story, and it involves Sharunas Marshalonis, the uh, former warrior whose picture is in the hallway outside the Warriors' practice facility. Also involves one of the great centers of all time, Avita Sabonis. So stay tuned for that. It's a great film. The Warriors had a recent event honoring that team and honoring the film, The Other Dream Team. So stick around for that. We'll answer your questions with Warriors Vox. That's Warriors V-O-X on Twitter. We'll also hear from Warriors owner Joe Lakeham as he met the assembled press in Phoenix yesterday to announce the signing of Steph Curry to the four-year contract extension. And a similar role, Bob Myers, Warriors general manager, also handled some questions from the press outside the Warriors locker room. And then we'll end the show with a conversation with a longtime NBA scribe, Frank Isola. He's covered the New York Knicks since 19 19- for the New York Daily News. We'll talk about the effect of Sandy on the East Coast, on the Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets, what the Nets will mean to the city of New York and to the NBA, and who are some of the teams that will compete in the Eastern Conference. All coming your way this hour. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. The season is underway, and opening night at Oracle is tomorrow night when the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 680. When we continue my conversation with Andrew Bogut and Steph Curry as we head into a new season, a new era of Warriors basketball on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee in the bounce, cuts off and takes the hand off baseline to the rack, jammed it and was foul. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. 
Get your opening night at Oracle Four Packs and see the moment the entire offseason has been leading up to. Opening night, four packs feature the Los Angeles Lakers or Miami Heat. Plus, opening night, go to Warriors.com and secure your seats tonight. Hi, Tim Roy, and the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. And as we look at the roundtable, last night was a very big night. Opening night on the road in Phoenix, featuring Andrew Bogut in the starting lineup and Steph Curry with a new contract extension. After the morning shoot-around down in the Valley of the Sun, I sat down with both guys to get their state of mind heading into the season. Tell me, first of all, let's, let's talk about the last few days. How uh, much fun has it been for you to go five-on-five? Five? Oh, it's been good. Obviously, it's been a, a long time coming. It's been nine months since I've been in a live setting, five-on-five on, five on a basketball court. So um, it felt pretty good and, you know, I'm excited to be back out there. How is the ankle? It's doing all right. I mean, it's still good days and bad, and there's still days where it's stiff and sore, but um, I think I'm really progressing through it all well. How is your confidence level in the ankle? Uh, that's going to be the main issue. Obviously, mentally, is just just um, trying to do the things that I know I can do, and sometimes it might you know give out a little bit or, or not be as as strong as you'd like. But that's just more of just getting used to those kind of movements. Um, and you know, obviously, mentally is a huge part of it. But I anticipate once things get to full swing and I'm ready to go, um, it'll be okay. Sixty million dollar question: Are you going to play tonight? We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a cautious couple of three to four weeks, so um, everything's going to be played by ear and probably played by, by game time decisions. It's funny that, that your, your doctor had said six months from the time to, and it worked out to just a few days ago. I mean, he seemed to be right on target. He's close. He's close. Um, obviously, they, they, there, was a, there wasn't a setback, but he wanted to, to, to rest a little more. I mean, I was back in Australia, and I was anxious to get back out there and start progressing my rehab. Um, and he said no, so um, he wanted things to, to heal properly, and it looks like it's, it's, it's run its course well. How has this affected your patience level? Uh, you know what? I mean, with age now, I've, I'm not as, not as anxious and stressed as I was when I was younger. I mean, it is what it is. I can't change what happened. I can't change being hurt. You know, um, you know, a lot the last three or four years, all I can do is try to be professional, rehab the best of my ability, get my body in as good shape as possible um, with a bad ankle and, and go from there. And Bogut did play last night. He was in the starting lineup. He played 18 minutes, had eight points and six rebounds. And when he was on the floor, he was definitely a difference maker. Bogut running the floor, takes the pass from Curry, grabs it and lays it in. Andrew Bogut sprinting down the floor, able to lay it in. Dudley. Feeds Gortat, high post, hand off to Dragic, he'll drift, bounce pass, Gortat, pick and roll, swatted away by Bogut. It's going to be an offensive foul as Gortat ran over David Lee, and that's a charge. Going to bring the microphone now over to, to Steph Curry, a big day for Steph and the Golden State Warriors, and also uh, a big day for you journalistically. You uh, broke your own story uh, on, on, on Twitter, way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's the benefit of having you know, a good social media presence, so... Um, just being able to announce, you know, the, the, the news of, of signing an extension and all that was a pretty cool experience. Um, got a lot of feedback on there, so um, you know, a lot of fans and Warrior fans are trying to figure out what was going to happen towards the deadline, and that was a good way to, to announce it. A four-year extension with the Warriors, and we're, we're thrilled to have you on board. And, and uh, I would imagine, though, that over the past uh, 12 months there were a few nights where that probably seemed a long ways away oh for sure i mean with uh injuries and um you know rehab and stuff after surgeries it was uh, it's it hard to see the end point a, a little bit but 
obviously I was I was more concerned about just getting back healthy for for the season and and not really worrying about you know the business side of what would happen. Those things would take care of itself as long as I was able to get back healthy. So um, you know, thankfully you know, was able to participate in everything since September and uh, be a part of the, you know the team when we were going through training camp and preseason and. You know, credit to our front office and uh, uh, Coach Jackson for um, you know stepping up and really meeting me halfway with uh, securing a, a future here um, in Golden State, which is always where I wanted to be. Uh, Consider all the changes we made since uh, my rookie year and the progress we've made. So it's a uh, it's a definitely exciting time. So are you uh, fired up about tonight? Oh, for sure! Another opening night. Um, First time I've opened up on the road, which is kind of different, but uh, we're excited to to go out and you know show what we've been working on all training camp. We have a great roster this year, um, and uh, looking forward to, to having a great performance and kind of setting the tone of, of how we're going to play this season. So, um, a lot of excitement and uh, ready to go. I just asked Andrew a question about how confident he is in, in his situation. How confident are you right now? I'm very confident. Um, I was confident going into the preseason games, and uh, I felt like I was playing well, getting my my legs back and my ankle was holding up strong. And um, you know, I had a little turn in uh, in Portland, um, but my ankle bounced back really fast. So it was more of a test of of how strong it really was to bounce back that quick and and uh, feel good about it. You know, a week or so afterwards. So um, have complete confidence in, in my game and and my health. So that's uh. It's a good feeling to have going into the season. How do you feel about the direction of the franchise right now? I feel great. They put a you know, put together a great roster. Like I said, we're deep this year. Have guys at every position that can really be effective and productive each night. So um, we're going to be a handful, and we've been committed to the defensive uh, end of the floor, um, communicating and learning our schemes, and knowing that that's going to take us you know a lot further than we've been uh, in recent years here in the Warriors uh, with the Warriors so um, with my man Bogut and, and uh, Jared Jack Carl Landry additions we've made since last year it's gonna be uh, a lot of fun. Final question for you and, and how much of a relief is it in, in one sense to have this you know now in the past and, and to know that your future is secure? Uh, it's a big relief I mean for you I think regardless if we got a deal done or not, I would have been confident in my mental approach to the season, knowing that uh, basketball and on court was really the only thing that was a priority. But it's nice to know that you know those things are taken care of, and I can go out and just focus on uh, playing well, winning games, and um, just you know having the best you know effort that we have that we can have this season to uh, try to make a push at the end of the year. Congrats and best of luck. All right, thanks, Tim. Obviously, last night, a very difficult night for Steph Curry. In 30 minutes, he was 2 of 14, 0 for 6 outside the three-point line, and missed a couple of free throws in the late moments of the contest. Coach Mark Jackson said he didn't have to justify the contract all in one night, so I don't think we'll see Steph Curry shooting 2 for 14 again anytime soon. That's the least of the Warriors' worries right now. But obviously, as I mentioned before, when you have a game where Curry and Lee combined to go four for 30 and you still win the game that's a very good sign that's a sign of a team that's learning how to grind out wins especially on the road that makes it even bigger 
And when we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a look at the documentary The Other Dream Team, the story of the 1992 Lithuanian national team that reached the medal round in that Olympics, featuring former Warrior Sharunas Marshalonis and former Portland Trailblazer Arvidas Sabonis. It's a team and a story that not only captured the imagination of Lithuanians, it captured the imagination of the world and the Grateful Dead. As we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Lee got the rebound. Out to Clay Thompson for three. Yes! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. In Lithuania, more than 90% of the population have an interest in basketball. To refer to the game as simply a sport is undermining its importance an importance that lies within Lithuania's history. In 1992, Warriors great Chris Mullen was playing for Team USA and the Dream Team as he helped resurrect basketball pride in the United States. But it was his former teammate, Sharunas Marshalonis, who was living that dream in the same Olympic Games. But that dream would have a far greater impact on his home country. Freedom is it's a, it's a value, camaraderie, uh, things that if you if you're really working hard, that you can accomplish something and, and reach your goals, and uh, and uh, and it's a joy. It's a joy that uh, what things what you do makes makes nation happy. Mavericks general manager and former Warriors assistant coach Don Nelson was one of the first NBA scouts to go over to Europe, and he was the head coach for Lithuania. All of a sudden, Lithuania is sitting there with their independence, a nation that's completely bankrupt. One of the local beat writers over the Bay Area wrote a little story that was read by the Grateful Dead. Jerry's like, we're all about freedom and celebration. Basically, we want to help you guys. They cut us a big check and sent a box of tie-dye t-shirts with Lithuanian colors. So that's the way we entered the Olympics. Warriors co-owner Peter Goober knows a thing or two about making movies, having produced countless Hollywood hits. He knows what a movie like this can mean to an entire nation, but also to people across the world. It really shows that the diversity of experiences around the Olympics and around politics and around people's ambition uh, is, is what makes sports so you know, romantic. Uh, it, it's the story. It's always the story. You know, whether it's the players or the country or the odds for them to make it up or the miracle on ice, it's always that same piece of business that makes people talk about it and then pay it forward to other people, evangelize the process. Right now here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, we're going to play a short piece of the official trailer for the movie. You'll hear from Hall of Famer and resident deadhead, Bill Walton. Imagine having to compete for another country, knowing that since 1940, the Russians have occupied and destroyed every bit of hope. Lithuania's push toward freedom was as essential as the push against the Berlin Wall. The independence flag is flying all over Lithuania. The 1992 opening ceremony at Barcelona is one of the cosmic turning points of the 20th century. If you were one of those rare Americans put off by the whole dream team ethic, then it was an easy choice who you were going to root for. The Grateful Dead were big basketball fans. To finally be free and to, to be able to see your own flag uh, raised at moments of triumph 
their final game against Russia. Live or die. The whole nation was watching. You, know, you have to destroy them. At any cost, you have to win. It was national pride, something what we dreamed. Even though it was years ago for Grateful Dead drummer Mickey Hart, a touch of gray will suit you anyway. And he and the band were very happy to help out. Oh, these guys were the underdog, and it stood for a lot more than just basketball. I mean, they took it to a whole other place, you know. It's about freedom, liberty, and it was a great story, you know. And it was just really fortunate that we got involved, and it was just a magic moment, you know, the shirts and... And the way they played the rhythm of their game was so different than anything else. Jamming. They were jamming. The movie, which premiered last month, was produced by John Weinbach. And once Weinbach dug into the material that would surround this movie, he knew it was far more than a sports flick. It's one of those rare stories that truly is more than just a sports story. It's a story, it's a human story, it's a story about politics, it's a story about pop culture and sports and how those three forces came together after the fall of, the, uh, of, of communism and, and the crumbling of the, of the Berlin Wall. And it's one of those rare instances where a sport truly helped put a country on the map. And no story that combines basketball and the Grateful Dead will be complete without another comment from the big redhead, Bill Walton. 20 plus years ago, over in Oakland, that arena hopping every night. Great basketball one night, the Grateful Dead the next night. And the crowds were crossing over and going back and forth. And then when the story came out about how Sharunas was working so hard to provide the opportunities and the chance for a dream of a young person to come true back in his homeland. Right after you played for the Soviet Union in the 88 Olympics in Seoul, and you win the gold medal with a, a dynamic performance of absolute brilliance with Gomelsky as the coach and Sabonis and Marshallonis, and then all of a sudden they're free and they're on their way, but they need that little helping hand. And it was the Grateful Dead who stood tall once again. This movie is not about basketball, it's about freedom and how the game of basketball helped a country fight off the yoke of a repressor that had dominated their culture for decades. Take time out and go see the other Dream Team. Shovel down to Brandon Rush, he'll fire, three ball, right corner pocket. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I'm Tim Roy, and the Warriors encourage you to enjoy this brief moment of silence while you can. The hysteria starts tomorrow night. The base team is ready. Get your opening night tickets at Warriors.com. Opening night at Oracle, where the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 680. Opening night presented by... Kia Motors. Well, yesterday, a big day for the franchise as guard Steph Curry was signed to a four-year extension. Outside the Warriors' locker room before last night's game in Phoenix, Warriors owner Joe Lacob took questions from the assembled press. It is. Um, you know, I think in the offseason, we have so many months to go through this from the free agency, time of free agency, and, you know, all you have to do is work on these things and worry about them and all that. You're planning your team and it's nice just to have it done, have him in the fold. And uh, as you know, I think we all are at the Warriors are 
we really like Steph Curry. As a person, he's a terrific, terrific face of the franchise. He's a terrific person. He's also a darn good basketball player. And uh, while he had some injuries last year, certainly, and uh, that was an issue in all of this, uh, but uh, you know, we're happy to have him. We think he's going to have a, a great career as a warrior for the next five years that we have. He was pretty vocal about wanting to be here even before the extension. Do you think you ended up getting him at a discounted rate at all? Probably yes. Um, you know, these are hard to say. It all depends on what somebody else is willing to pay. And you don't know until he goes to free agency. Then you do know because it's a free market system. Um, we were on the other side of that coin, as I think I heard Bob saying before. And you wind up paying more usually in that scenario because the truth is there are 29 other teams and all it takes is one one out of 29 to want a guy and maybe want him really badly and it's a need uh, or maybe the guy's from that area or whatever so i mean we're always aware of that um we're also aware of you know the injury which i'm sure many of you will bring up which was certainly not good last year but, uh, and we had to balance all that and decide whether it was the right thing to do. And, and we feel we got a little bit of a discount. We, however, demanded getting that in order to do the deal because it was the, the right business decision for us. And, and they understood that. Uh, I give a lot of credit to his agent and to Steph for recognizing that it was, a, at the end of the day, a fair deal for everybody. Does it say something about the franchise? They haven't always been able to keep their guys. I mean, does it say something about where the franchise is going that, that a guy like Curry wants to be here, wants to sign an extension? Well, I think so. I think everybody seems to want to be here. Not only our players, but if we're told the truth, a lot of players from other teams that are either in free or were in free agency or are going to be entering free agency. Uh, we're building something here. We're only two years into it. We have work to do. We have to prove it on the floor. We haven't done that yet, um, but we intend to do it. And I think that it, what we're doing is building something. We've certainly changed the culture, uh, I, th I think, at this point, and uh, Mark Jackson gets a lot of the credit for that. The organization has changed in so many ways, as most of you who follow our organization know. We're very proud of where we are, but we also recognize we have a ways to go. And uh, this is two years into a multi-year project that hopefully will lead to us having a sustainably great franchise. When you weigh all, when you weigh all the, the ankle injury risks, what uh, gives you the most confidence that this stuff's going to be held going forward? Well, you know, we have access to more medical information than any of the media <laughs> or any of, you know, anybody else, frankly. So We wouldn't know what to do with it if we saw it anyway. <laughs> right. Well, it's hard. It's never cut and dried. It's not black and white, especially something like this, which is a, was a chronic injury for the course of the last year. Um, we have very good medical doctors. I have great faith in them. Our training staff is very good. We've replaced all of those people since we took over the, the team. And um, we have to trust in their opinion, which is that overall, we think this guy's going to be healthy. And, um, you know, anybody can get injured at any given time. And we all know everybody go out there one night, and whether it's an ankle, a knee, or hit your head in a concussion, and things happen. So you're never out of, out of risk. You always have those risks. And you have guaranteed contracts in the NBA. So, you know, that's the way it is. You, sign the, you have to sign these guys up, if they're good, for multi-year contracts. And you have to take some risk. And uh, hopefully you, you, you take good risks and smart risks and you get lucky. So we think we got a, a pretty good deal here for a guy that, if he went to free agency and was healthy, 
frankly, would make more, no question about it, and, and maybe the max. So, uh, you know, he's taking a little bit of a haircut. We're taking still a lot of risk uh, that somebody who's coming back from an injury. But, you know, I want to point something out to everybody. The last, everyone says he's injury prone. He was injured last year, it's true. But his first two years in the league, if I have the number correct, he missed 10 games. 10 in two years. He averaged 77 games played per year. I don't call that injury prone. I do not think he's an injury prone player. And we had to make that evaluation. Again, we're not seers. We'll wait and see. Hopefully we made the right bet. But this guy's a hard worker and he's committed. And I think he'll, he'll be fine. You probably remember, I'm sure you remember Curry's first year and how well he played. You see him getting back to that kind of a takeover leader guy, put up a triple double. We think he's very talented. He's one of the most talented guys in the league. He can play the one or the two, but he, we think he's a one. He's a great, great, maybe the best shooter in the NBA. Um, he's, a, he's actually a very good passer, makes passes that other people can't make. Um, he's got to cut down turnovers, as we know. But, but he, we think he's very talented, and we think he definitely can sustain those numbers. In fact, he's the only player, as you all know, in the NBA to average, what is it, uh, I forget the numbers, Raymond. 44, 47, yeah. 90. Yeah, all three statistics, the triple-double of statistics. But he is he's the only player to ever do that, hes and he's only played for three years. This guy has a huge upside. He can be a real talent in this league, and he's a great teammate, a great playmaker. He's going to mesh with the rest of our guys, and that's important. Quality of character is important. That's Warriors owner Joe Lacob, obviously very excited about signing Steph Curry to a contract extension. Time now to answer your questions, and Seeley747, who is from the Gold Coast of Australia, wants to know about his man, Andrew Bogut. He says, how many minutes per game is the ultimate goal for Bogut to play once he's truly fit and ready? 30, 32, more? I think definitely in the 30s. I think uh, he showed last night he could go 18 minutes. He does not have his NBA wind as of yet. I think there's no doubt as long as Andrew is healthy that he'll be able to go 30, 35 minutes sometime very soon. I think that's great news for the Golden State Warriors. What I saw last night with Andrew Bogut was once he got the ball at the box and the offense was going through him, he's a very smart basketball player. He knows angles. He knows the offense. So people were getting the ball in positions where they could make plays. He's a very good passer, and on the defensive end, he changed a whole bunch of shots last night. And you have to be aware of a guy like that once you start to go for the rim because you know he's going to get there. You know he's going to challenge your shot, make you either change your shot or block it. So he is a factor on both ends of the floor for Golden State, and I think it's going to be a, a, a great marriage, and I can't wait till he is playing 30, 35 minutes a night. Again, your questions, you can follow me on Twitter, at WarriorsVox, WarriorsVox. Send me your questions. We try to answer as many as we can. Yesterday, as I mentioned, a very big day for the Golden State Warriors and a big day for Steph Curry. Now, granted, he did not have the, the type of game that he wanted, but he certainly now can look at the season and the next few years knowing he's going to be a Golden State Warrior and knowing uh, that the franchise has his back, if you will. Warriors general manager Bob Myers also made the journey to Phoenix, and he also met with the writers and the TV crews to answer questions about Steph Curry and the extension. It was a, a prudent decision, um, not knowing what he would have commanded. Um, that was certainly part of part of the uh, part of the process. Is what, what would he have gotten if he would have played out this season? And even in some respects, whether he was healthy or not. We've seen players in free agency get some pretty big numbers. 
he was pretty vocal about wanting to stay You know, I don't know. What did he say? <laughs> he, he just said it's tough to compare yeah. against, you know, other point guards or even guys in his own class. But yeah. he's, he's, I guess, probably eight or nine among point guards and, and under another guy, another point guard in his own class. Yeah. Well, we really believe in him. Um, having a player want to be with an organization, I think, is a positive in all aspects. I think it does help you when you negotiate. Obviously, if you don't want to be somewhere, you hold a firmer line. If you want to be there, maybe you give in a little bit. Um, how much he did that, I'm not sure. Um, but we feel like he is one of the, 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 one of the better point guards in the league, uh, one of the, clearly one of the best people in the NBA. We think he's going to improve. Um, and we, we're very excited to have him on board for, for, for the foreseeable future. And, uh, yes, certainly for our organization it's important we have players that want to be with us in the long term. Warriors General Manager Bob Myers, a personal friend of Warriors Radio producer R.C. Davis. And we continue with the Warriors Weekly Radio Show. We'll hear from Frank Isola of the New York Daily News. He's been covering the New York Knicks since 1996. We'll talk about the impact of Hurricane Sandy and the Eastern Conference on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Up and good, David Lee getting to wherever he wants to go on the floor and knocking everything down. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. And the Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. I, Tim Roy, don't forget Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies opening night at Oracle uh, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock with the airtime on KMBR uh, 680. And Frank Isola is our guest, and he has been covering the New York Knicks since 1996. And I'd have to start by, first of all, uh, asking you if you and, and your family and friends are okay. Hurricane Sandy roared through the Northeast uh, this week, and I hope everybody connected with your life is okay. Yeah, thanks a lot. You know, I, I am lucky enough to have power, but getting around here is pretty tough. I got up today at 6 o'clock, and I waited online three hours uh, to get gas. So wow. It's a pretty crazy couple of days, but I'm doing a lot better than some people who don't have some people, a couple of neighbors of mine had huge trees fall on their houses, so it's a pretty scary uh, situation right now. Yeah, I grew up in Connecticut, and I can remember some nor'easters or some huge ice storms that ro- roared uh, through the New England area, but, but nothing like this. This is unbelievable. Yeah, it is. You know, it's, you know during the time I've been covering the uh, Knicks, now they have had games postponed. They had one because of a major snowstorm. In fact, when Don Nelson was the coach, and that was back in, 1996, but this one, you know, it really crippled New York because you have a, you know, the subways have been flooded out. You can't use the tunnel to get into the city now. To, you know, be, you know, basically for 18 of the 24 hours, you have to have three people in your car. So I'm thinking about maybe getting a couple of mannequins and putting them in my car so I could drive into the game tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess uh, the uh, postponement I kind of uh, was. Uh, a sad thing because we're all excited to see what the uh, building in, in New Jersey looks like, and, and all reports are it's it's fantastic. Uh, what is the addition of another team? Now, granted, the Nets were right there for years in, in the Meadowlands, but it doesn't have the same cachet, the same impact. What's the impact of having a team in Brooklyn uh, to New York? Oh, I, I think it's I think it's big because I think with the you know when the Nets were in uh, New Jersey, and even though where they were playing most of the time. You know, once they were six miles from New York City, then maybe ten miles. Newark is from New York City. You didn't have all the local papers covering them, and they were always the second-class citizen in town. Now, on some level, I, I still think they will be because the Knicks have more of a history, obviously, 
But I, I think you're right. I think that's the right word. You know, I think they do have a lot more cachet. The fact that they're in Brooklyn, number one, they're playing downtown Brooklyn. I, I think people have a different way of looking at uh, the Nets right now. I, I think it's going to be exciting. And it's, I, I actually, am, I didn't think they should have opened up with the Knicks. I thought they should have opened, you know, open up with Charlotte. You're guaranteed to get a, a sellout because it's your first game. You're going to win the game. And then have some buildup to the, the first time you play the Knicks, which they're going to end up getting because they, the Knicks do go back there on December 11th. So they're going to be playing them pretty quickly. But it, it'll be exciting. And I think a lot of people are interested. You know, the thing about people from Brooklyn, they have a lot of pride. You know, a bunch of, you know, there's been a lot of greats who were born in Brooklyn. Michael Jordan was born there, Mark Jackson. Myself, I just gave you three uh, big ones, right? <laughs> so I think, you know, and I think the fact that the Dodgers were in Brooklyn and left, and there hasn't been a pro sports team there for a long time, I think, you know, I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I think it's really going to add to the rivalry because here's another thing: the two teams have not been great teams, or I shouldn't, or I should say, very good teams at the same time. And this year, they both should be playoff teams. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've always talked with that with our, our uh, friends who cover the Kings because the Kings and the Warriors are 90 miles apart. And yet ever since the Kings have been in Northern California, there's never been a time where the two teams have been good at the same time. You know, and it would always be cool if you could ever get that those two teams going in the, in the, the same direction yeah. and maybe meet in a playoff series or something like that. I mean, that, yeah. that would be the ultimate. Absolutely. But for you guys, clearly the Lakers are your big rival. and That's the big game in town. And for the Knicks... It's still, you know, Boston, you know, has been a traditional rival. And then in the East, it's, you know, Chicago because of the history with Michael Jordan. But even bigger than that, it's been Miami because of those, you know, those four playoff series they played in the late 90s. All of them went the distance. Two went five games. The other two went seven games. And now that LeBron is there because people in New York, they weren't angry that LeBron left Cleveland. They couldn't wrap their arms around the fact that he didn't come to New York, which I always thought was kind of, Odd, and that's the only reason they don't like LeBron. It's not because he left Cleveland. They're just angry that he didn't come to play for the Knicks. So, you know, that robbery is alive and well. And that's why, you know, tomorrow night, assuming the game goes on and it looks like it's, it will go on, it'll be a pretty, um, you know, festive atmosphere because whenever the Miami Heat are in town, you still have the specter of Pat Riley hovering over the arena. And with LeBron there, he's really added a lot of juice to the robbery. We're talking with Frank Isola, the New York Daily News, and, and talking about. What's going on in the Eastern Conference? So, Mari Stoudemire out. Uh, give me your early season outlook on the Knicks. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You know, the Knicks roster, you know, they'll win the 35 and older championship because they have, you know, Rasheed Wallace, who I think is 37. Kid is going to be 40 in March. Kurt Thomas is the oldest player in the league at 40. Marcus Camby's 37, missed all the preseason. Even the rookie that they brought in, Pablo Prigioni, the Argentinian who plays in uh, Spain, he's 35 years old. And yet, you could make the case that the oldest player on the team is Mario Stoudemire. He's 29. He turns 30 <laughs> in 15 days, and his body is breaking down. And, and that's one of the reasons the Phoenix Suns didn't want to give him that uh, guaranteed contract for $100 million, because they think that he's going to break down at some point. So... You know, here you have Stoudemire. It looks like he could miss two months, but with Stoudemire, you never know. He had surgery on his left knee. He's going to have surgery again on his left knee. So it's it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to play and at what point he's going to play. And here's the thing, too, about Amari. He's been playing with Carmelo now for two seasons or parts of two seasons, and the Knicks do not have a winning record when those two play in a game together. When I look at Stoudemire, I also think about 
Steve Nash because because to me that was the perfect setup for Stoudemire. You know, he could he could set his his screen and roll with Steve Nash, and Nash would deliver him the ball on time, on target, and it was an easy thing for him. And I think when he has to, you know, Carmelo's more of an isolation guy, and I don't think that really complements you know Stoudemire's game. He's not a guy I think that you would you would uh, you know see as a uh, weak side guy who could get something done without you know getting the ball from a point guard or, or getting the ball himself. Well, you know, you're clearly watching uh, League Pass because you have the Knicks down pat, and I think you're exactly right. And I also think, you know, if you look at Stoudemire, you know, playing in that system that Mike D'Antoni had, had a lot to do with it. But, you know, Steve Nash is a brilliant player, and Stoudemire was lucky enough to play with him. But even when, you know, even in New York, you know, his first 50 games with the Knicks, he had Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton is not Steve Nash by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a good pick-and-roll point guard, and he and Stoudemire were having success, and Felton was part of the deal, the Carmelo deal. And then even last season with Jeremy Lin, uh, Stoudemire had success with him. The problem is when Carmelo and Amari are on the court together. And you're right, one is an isolation player. One would rather be in pick and rolls. And you know, the, the way you look at it, you could see the Knicks would probably have better balance if they brought Amari off the bench. But you know that, that wasn't going to happen. Mike Woodson didn't want to do it. Who knows if Amari's ego could take it? But I just find it interesting that you look at a guy like Manu Ginobili, who you know is a, is a top player in the league. He's been coming off the bench for a long time with the Spurs. He ends up finishing games for the Spurs. So, you know, the idea of starting in the NBA, you know, it's not like you're uh, you know, you're playing in the English Premier League. If you start, that means you're not coming out. In the NBA, you, see, you, know, you could come off the bench and you could still play 30 minutes, 35 minutes a night, which is probably what Amari should be playing anyway. Yeah, it's funny. That's an interesting dynamic in the league. Some players, that means a lot to them, that they have to start. And other no, players yeah. don't care. You know, it's it's, it's yeah, really funny. Yeah. I, I think they I think they love that whole hugging thing that the players all love doing before the game. <laughs> and I yes. get it, maybe for some guys it's about warming up, and then you you know you start the game. But I, I don't know. I, you know, if you're well, a player, you're a player. And look at a guy like James Harden, who was coming off the bench uh, for Oklahoma City as well. Now this year, J.R. Smith who wants to start, and to his credit, he's been honest about it. He's admitted that he wants to start, but he's better off coming off the bench because he gives you, you can kind of live with his erratic shooting and, you know, the high energy that he gives you as a, as a bench player. Talking to Frank Isola of the New York Daily News, and, you know, you're right about the, the some guys like warming up. Last night, case in point with the Warriors, Andrew Bogut was ready to play, and there's no sense having him warm up before the game and then sit him down, you know, to let that ankle tighten up a little bit. So it, it, it made more sense if Bogut was going to play to start him. Than anything else. I wanted to ask you about Jeremy Lin because he's a great kid and had a chance to get to know him a little bit here with the Warriors. Do you think the Knicks should have kept him uh, on board for a variety of reasons? Well, I would have kept him as the backup. I, you know, if, if you had gotten out, and well, I shouldn't say that because now I'm just contradicting what I said before. If you had gotten Jason Kidd with Lin, I don't think that would have been a bad thing. You would have had a player like Kidd who could play late in games. You have Jeremy Lin, a young guy that's you know, still learning the league. My only issue with Jeremy Lin, and I know I'm in, I'm on in Northern California, so I better watch what I say here. But, you know, he was a high turnover guy, and he did shoot a lot. So his scoring was up, and I think people were, fall, you know, were falling in love with what was a great story, getting cut twice in the month of December, nearly getting cut by the Knicks before playing the night before the uh, Super Bowl when, you know, it was under the radar, and he had the great game against the Nets, and it really took off. From there, but you know he was shooting a lot. He was turning the ball over a lot. That doesn't mean he's not a good NBA player. I think for the Knicks, with the asset that he is, they should have signed him. But Jim Dolan, he had a big falling out with Jim Dolan because Jim Dolan got insulted 
that uh, Jeremy Lin was trying to make the most money he could, which is interesting since Jim Dolan tries to squeeze as much as he can out of the ticket-buying public in New York. But And that, that was the big thing that happened here. I, I would have thought they would have brought him back. I'm shocked. If you had told me, I would have bet anything I had that they would bring him back. But I'm telling you, I had more people come up to me who could care less about the Knicks over the past, you know, five to ten years because it's been nothing but a losing team. I had more people come up to me and say, oh, I'm watching the Knicks again. Like, you know, it's interesting. And even, you know, women, kids, people were getting into it because everyone fell in love with Jeremy Lin. Everybody but the owner fell in love with Jeremy Lin. Yeah, Jeremy Lin all of a sudden finds a, a, a new target to deliver the ball to who's going to convert a lot at Harden. So I think it worked out for him very well. But, yeah, uh, and, before, and he got $25 million. Yeah, Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, before I let you go, I want to get your thoughts on the on the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I saw uh, Dwayne Wade in an interview, and he said, you know, they, they pressed him and said, okay, what team do you think is the team that you're rivaling? He immediately said Boston. Who are some of the other teams other than Boston and Miami that you think will contend in the East? Well, I think that uh, Chicago, you know, I think there's a chance that Derrick Rose will come back. I think the organization doesn't want him to, but I think that Derrick Rose his his only love is basketball. I think the guy's going to do everything he can to get back. And in the interim, I think that Tom Thibodeau is a good enough coach and that he'll get his team to play hard and get his team to defend. And I think they could hover around but having the third, fourth, or fifth best record in the East. And then if they get Derrick Rose back, they could be a dangerous team. The Knicks are going to need a lot of things to break right, preferably maybe LeBron breaking his leg. That would be the first start, and I shouldn't say that. But uh, I think the Knicks could, uh, you know, they could do. They could make some noise, but I think Miami and Boston are the class of the Eastern Conference, and I think that Miami is probably the class of the NBA. That you know they won the championship last year, and I think they've upgraded their roster, and they still have LeBron James. So now that he's won, there's a lot of pressure off LeBron James, and if he's just going to play free and easy, you know the rest of the league better watch out. Hey Frank, I know I follow you on Twitter. Why don't you throw out your handle there so people can follow you and and keep up the date on the NBA and the Knicks? I have no idea what it is. I think it's. F-I-S-O-L-A-N-Y-D-N. First initial, last name, N-Y-D-N, which is New York Daily News. And do me a favor, say hello to my two guys, Michael Malone and, of course, Mark Jackson. I actually saw Mark Jackson. This is how old I am. I actually saw Mark Jackson play in high school. And if you wow. think he's slow now, you should have seen him in high school. He was slow <laughs> even back then. Well, you know, I, I can't wait to the uh, the game in, in, in Brooklyn. I think it's going to be a great, great night for him. And, and uh, I'll tell you uh, a story about... Uh, Coach Malone last year in the NBA GM's poll, uh, they said they voted him uh, best assistant coach in the NBA. So I get on a bus. We were somewhere. I can't remember where we were. And I said, hey, did you see the GM poll? They named you uh, best assistant coach in the league. Congratulations. He kind of looks at me. He hadn't seen it. He goes, best assistant coach? He goes, I'm not even the best assistant coach in my family. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> hey, remember something else now. Michael Malone started out with Jeff Van Gundy, Tom Thibodeau, you know, basically learned under Jeff and even Mark Jackson spending all that time on ESPN and ABC learned from Jeff. So Jeff's got a bit of a coaching tree working for himself there. And and Coach Malone's going to get a head job in this league someday. We know that. So we'll have to keep an eye on how that progresses over the years. Frank, a, a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. And we will see you uh, soon along the NBA trail. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. Opening night at Oracle is tomorrow night when the Warriors take on the Memphis Grizzlies. 7 o'clock is the airtime on KBR uh, 680. Opening night brought to you by Kia Motors. Warriors will be back home Wednesday, November the 7th, when they take on Cleveland. The Cavaliers come to town with Kyrie Irving. 7 o'clock the airtime. Again, that's a dynamic deal brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. I'm Tim Roy. We'll come back. We'll look ahead to the rest of the schedule as we continue on KBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. 
I can't believe We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to look ahead to the upcoming broadcast. I'm Tim Roy on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Tomorrow night, the Memphis Grizzlies in town. 7 o'clock airtime on KMBR 680. When you talk about the Grizzlies, you know they're a team that likes to go inside to the post, and they also have a dynamic scorer at the small forward spot. That's Rudy Gay. And every year, he tries to come back a little bit better. I always have something to prove. Every year. I feel like I have put something, I have a little extra to prove this year, but I always try to take something from the year before or even the summer to prove myself. Again, Warriors and Grizzlies, 7 o'clock, the airtime on KBR 680, opening night brought to you by Kia Motors. And then the Warriors get on the plane and fly right after the contest and head down to L.A. to take on the Clippers and maybe the best point guard in the game, Chris Paul. Ball taken away by Chris Paul. Paul will drive, go to the hole, lay it in. It's a place where the Clippers can attack because Neal's not a true point guard. That cuts it to 8 points, 69-61, San Antonio on top. Warriors and Clippers, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR, a 680 on Saturday night. The Warriors come back to Northern California for a Monday night game at the Sleep Train Arena in Sacramento where they take on DeMarcus Cousins and the Kings. Jamison back to Nash. Nash now lobs to Gasol. Broken up by Cousins. Nash protects. Cousins battles. Cousins gets it. Cousins goes the half court and throws down a vicious right hand jab. And that's your play of this ball game. Boogie Cousins with the steal at midcourt and the rip. 6.30 is the airtime with the 7.08 tip up in Sacramento on KMBR 6.80. The Warriors taking on their NorCal neighbors, the Sacramento Kings. And then Wednesday, November 7th, the day after the election, the Warriors will be home to take on Kyrie Irving and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Miles finds Irving. He's up top. He's open. He squares. He shoots. He scores. A three-pointer for Kyrie Irving. As Irving now has 16 points in the game. Warriors and Cavs, 7 o'clock airtime on KMBR 680. It's a dynamic deal night brought to you by Wiener Schnitzel. Get your tickets early and save at warriors.com slash dynamic or call one gsw hoop i Tim Roy, and this has been the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Thanking all those connected with the show, including our producer, R.C. Davis, David Feldhaus at the controls. I want to thank Warriors Center Andrew Bogut and guard Steph Curry, owner Joe Lacob, GM Bob Myers, and Frank Isola of the New York Daily News. Warriors and Grizzlies tomorrow night. It's opening night at Oracle, 7 o'clock the airtime on KMBR 680. I, Tim Roy, saying good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Ray Woodson is up next, taking your calls and comments at 808 KMBR here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. It's a four on three. The trailer's Curry right side fires away. Three ball. For tickets, go to Warriors.com or call 1 888 GSW Hoop.